Well, today I am wrapping up a series called Beyond and just believe that I have a word that's going to speak deeply to your heart today. You know, I have a confession to make to you. Uh, and here's, here it goes. I'm just going, I'm going to say it and get it out in the open. Just, I want you to know. I now shop online. And uh, I, I can't believe it. Uh, don't take my man card from me. Uh, but I shop online now, and and uh, and I like it, <laughs> and I like it. Uh, you know, I, I I'm a bargain shopper, so I I like my clothes, and I like them inexpensive. And so I just I'm a, I'm an online shopper, and uh, when sales come out, I love the 75 percent off rack. Come on, when it's 75 percent with an extra 25. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You're talking my love language. And so I love shopping. I've got my little three or four favorite stores and I know when their sales happen and I catch it online and I know my sizes and I, I, I like online shopping now. And, and, and a pastor friend of mine told me about this story. He said, listen, since you like online shopping and you love great deals, he said, I got, I got a store. It's overseas. I'm telling you, pastor, you buy your clothes from this store. I've got, see these shoes I got on? He said, see this shirt I got on? I got it from let me tell you you, you, you won't believe with the cost and he told us I'm blown away that you got it for that kind of price. He goes, I'm telling you, just order it. And, and I said, oh, okay, okay. And so I, I got the, the website. When I got home, I, I got online. I couldn't believe the prices. I told Tiffany about it. And, and I, I said, you know what? I'm going to buy me some shirts. I cannot believe these prices. Unbelievable. I didn't just buy one shirt. I thought, man, I could get 10 shirts for this price. And so I loaded up on some shirts. You know what I mean? Like 10 shirts for $62.99. I was like, thank you, Lord. This is a good day. Took about two or three weeks to come in the mail from overseas, and I got those shirts in, and I got them out the box, and I thought, are these for my 12-year-old? <laughs> I ordered largest. I, I tried to, come on, but you know where you spend your money, you know, I, I tried to get it on. I thought, I put that shirt on. <laughs> I thought, I can't wear this. The church will think I'm in tights preaching if I try to wear this shirt. I mean, I, I, who put a large on those shirts? Somebody needs to switch the label. That should not be large. It should say small on those shirts. And, and, and in our world, we live in a world of labels. We, we label mail. We, we label food. We label boxes. We label folders. We, we love uh, labels. And if you mislabel food, if you mislabel a box, if, if you mislabel your mail, it can be frustrating. And sometimes it might even be, be funny. But when people are mislabeled, it's destructive. When people get the wrong label on them, it can be devastating. When you get the wrong label on your life and you believe it, those labels will limit you. Those, label will, those labels will limit your dreams. Your, those labels will limit your future. Those labels will limit your present. Those labels will limit you from experiencing the exceedingly abundantly beyond that God has for your life. Labels can limit and I want you to know that we serve a limitless God. And today he wants to take the limits off your life so that you can soar and experience the beyond that he has for your life. Today, I want to give you three labels that limit you. 
These are three huge, big, prevalent labels that limit so many people's lives. And the first label is the label of the past. The label of the past. The label of the past will limit your dreams. It's doing it right now for some of you. It'll limit your future. It'll limit your potential. The, 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 the label of the past, it will limit your faith. The, the label of past sins, the, the label of past mistakes can be so limiting. And I want to show you a lady in the Bible who was being limited by her label. Joshua chapter 2 and verse number 1, it says this about this lady. The, then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab. And she stayed there. Now, why you got to call the woman? A prostitute. Can't you just say they're over at Rahab's house? But as you read your Bible, what's interesting, I've never studied this out before in all of my years of Bible study and diving into God's word. I, I've just never studied out. And I've noticed it this week that over and over and over in the Bible, she was labeled Rahab the prostitute. Not Rahab the sister. Not Rahab the daughter. Not Rahab the friend. Not Rahab from Jericho, but Rahab the prostitute over and over and over, this label was put on her life. Let me just show you again, Joshua chapter 6 and verse 22. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out. Joshua chapter 6 verse 25, but Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute, the label of prostitute, James chapter 2, verse 25. You even see it when you get into the New Testament in the same way was not even Rahab, the prostitute. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, by faith, the prostitute, Rahab. I mean, when someone is labeled Rahab, the prostitute long enough, they can start to believe that's all they will ever be. And she's been labeled Rahab the prostitute. And, uh, and maybe it's not Rahab the prostitute. Maybe for somebody it's Rahab the alcoholic. Or Rahab the drug addict. Or Rahab the liar. Or Rahab the thief. Or Rahab the felon. Or Rahab the abuser. Or Rahab the adulterer. Or Rahab the womanizer. Or Rahab the cheater. Or Rahab the embezzler. Or, or Rahab the person full of pride or jealousy or envy. Rahab, that you have this label on your life. And some of you feel like Rahab, that people have labeled you, your family has labeled you, friends have labeled you, culture has labeled you, and you're allowing those labels to limit you. But I want you to know today that all of us have a past. All of us have made mistakes. All of us have some labels. We could go and say, you know what, I have done some things that I don't really want anybody else to know. But thank God that he's a God of grace. Thank God for Jesus Christ, that Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day. And whenever you give Jesus Christ your life, he forgives you of all of your sins. I didn't say some of them. I said he will forgive you of all of your sins. And God wants to switch the label. He wants to switch the label from sinner to saint. 
1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2 says, To the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. God says when you call on the name of Jesus, he switches your label from sinner to saint. What we're simply saying is even if you feel like you're this old dirty, nasty, filthy sinner, no matter how much you've done, how much you've messed up, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, he switches the label from sinner to saint. He now sees your life as forgiven. You have been forgiven of all of your sins. And here it goes. Here it goes. You got to learn to forgive yourself. So you gave your life to Jesus. Jesus has forgiven you. He switched the label. But you keep seeing yourself as this nasty, filthy, dirty sinner instead of forgiven by God, justified, a saint, not a sinner. And let me tell you something. When you start seeing yourself through the eyes of God that you are forgiven, that you are a child of God, you will start realizing that God wants to do exceedingly abundantly beyond. In spite of your past, in spite of all your mistakes, God still wants to use you and he has a plan for your life. He did it for Rahab. And he wants to do it for you. I want you to see this with Rahab in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5. It says, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. This is the genealogy leading up to Jesus Christ. And I I want you to notice that Rahab is listed in the genealogy of Jesus. The prostitute who was labeled is in the genealogy of God's one and only son, Jesus Christ. Others didn't see her fit to be in the genealogy, but because God's a God of grace and mercy, this lady shows up in the genealogy of Jesus. And did you catch this? When I read the genealogy about Rahab, did you notice the word that wasn't on the genealogy? I love it that when when the Bible talks about her in the genealogy of Jesus, you don't see the label of prostitute. It just calls her by her name. God switched the label from Rahab the prostitute to Rahab the saint who's in the genealogy of Jesus. And God wants to switch the label on your life today. Church, God does not want your past to continue to limit you. You can't start the next chapter of your life if you keep rereading your last one. God's forgiven you. You got to forgive yourself. Your Your past is a place of reference, not a place of residence. Stop living there in the past. Quit, quit going back there. Quit, quit looking and going, oh, you don't know, know what I've done. God can't use me because of what I've done. No, stop cheating on your future with your past. It's over. Move on to the exceedingly abundantly beyond life that God has for you. Come on online. Somebody type, switch the label. Come on, would you say it with me? Switch the label. You got to switch the label. I want you to see a second label. It is very common. And it's on a lot of Christians' lives, and it's limiting them, and that is the label of loser. The label of of loser. And I want to take you to a man in the Bible who had the label of loser on his life, and he was being limited. Judges chapter 6 and verse number 12, this is Gideon. 
And it says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, Lord, my Lord. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. God says, I got beyond for your life. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, getting replied. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. Gideon was telling God, I'm not a mighty warrior. I'm a loser. The the label of loser was limiting Gideon's life. He could not see the beyond. God says, I want to use you to to, to accomplish beyond. And Gideon said, pardon me, God, how can you use somebody like me? And friends, the label of loser makes people feel like a failure. You start feeling like a failure, and that's how Gideon was, was feeling. He was feeling like a failure. He said, I mean, if God is really with us, why are we losing to the Midianites? And Gideon was looking at his life, and he was looking at the situation of God's people, and he felt like a loser. He was wearing the label of failure. And some of you have labeled yourself with, with failure. You feel like a loser because... You're confusing what you did with who you are. And you feel like a failure. I love what Michael Jordan said. Michael Jordan said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in life. And that is why I succeed. And can I tell you, I'm a lot like Michael Jordan. I have failed over and over and over again in my life. I have way more failures than I do successes. But can I tell you, when you get God's vantage point on failure, you're not a loser when you fail. You see, when you fail, you either win or you learn. It's not you win or you lose. Listen, you've got to have the right perspective on failure. Your attitude towards failure will determine your altitude after failure. Listen to me, church. Failure is a place of learning, not a place of living. Stop living in your failure. Stop wallowing there. Stop allowing yourself to be limited by failure. We've all failed. I have failed so many times, but you got to have the right perspective. When you fail, when you mess up, you haven't lost. When you give your failure to God, my Bible says that he works all things together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And if you will learn from the failure, you don't lose, you learn. And God will take that failure and use it to make you better and to make you stronger and to make you sharper. And yet some of you have the label of failure slapped on your life and you feel like a loser. You're not losing, you're learning. Take the limits off. You know what else when it comes to this label of loser? An identity crisis will make you feel like a loser. 
an identity crisis, and Gideon was finding his identity in everything around him. Boy, that's when you'll have an identity crisis. He was trying to find his identity in his situation, in his surroundings. He was trying to find his identity in his circumstances instead of in the Lord. And that's where some of you find yourself today. Some of you are experiencing very low self-esteem. You're trying to find your identity in your position. You're trying to find your identity in your title. And you're trying to get self-worth because of your title. You're trying to find your identity in your money or the car that you're driving. You're trying to find your identity in the house that you're living in. You're trying to find your identity in the friends that you keep. You're trying to find your identity with your social media or the clothes that you wear. And whenever you try to get your identity from anything else, from people, from possessions, from money, you will always end up feeling like a loser. You have to get your identity from Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And that's not easy in our world. But if you try to find your identity in your possessions, in your money, in other people, you're going to always wake up feeling like a loser. Your identity has to be found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And we find Gideon feeling like a loser. Because he's trying to find his identity in situations and circumstances and the people around him. And let me tell you what else this label of loser will do. Comparison will make you feel like a loser. Comparison. Gideon said his clan was the weakest. How do you know, Gideon? I'm comparing. He said, I'm the weakest in my clan. Who told you that, Gideon? That you're weak and unable He was comparing himself to others in his family, to his clan. He was comparing his clan to other clans. And and he arrived at the conclusion that he was a nobody, that he had zero confidence to do what God wanted him to do. And let me tell you something about comparison. Church, this is huge in our culture. Comparison will always slap the label of loser on your life. Some of you are dealing with it right now. You're dealing with low self-esteem. You don't have self-worth. You don't have confidence to move forward into the great plans that God has for your life because you're playing the comparison game. And, and you're labeling yourself loser because you're comparing yourself to everybody else. Let me be transparent with you. One of the quickest ways for Herbert Cooper to start feeling like a loser One of the quickest ways I lose joy is when I compare myself to others. And it's hard not to. I got to fight not to compare. I start comparing myself to others. I I can lose my joy and the pep in my step, my confidence, because I'm playing the compare game. I mean, even when it comes to spiritual things. I come to church and and I preach and I thank God that people come to faith in Christ every single Sunday. And and man, there might be a Sunday. We we give a response between online and the campus. We have 50, 60, 100 people surrender their life to Jesus Christ. And boy, I can go home for like, yes, what a Sunday. People were going to hell and now they're going to heaven. Yes, 55 people. And get home and open up social media. And then some pastor says, oh, today at our church, we had 49,063 million people come to know Jesus. I'm like, I'm doing nothing for you, God. And you're talking like a loser because you're comparing your car to their car and your house to their house. You're comparing your spouse to their spouse and 
Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, their boyfriend or girlfriend. You're, you're comparing your bank account to their bank, to their bank account. You're, your bank account to theirs. You're, you're, comparing, you're comparing your spouse to their spouse. Your kids is their kids. Your grandchildren are their, their grandchildren. Your position to their position. And whenever you start living like that, I'm telling you, church, the label of loser will be slapped on your life and you will start losing your confidence. You'll start losing your joy. You'll start putting limits on your life. And church, let me remind you that God made you and God does not make junk. You are not junk. I don't care if you feel like a loser today. You're not a loser. God made you. You're a masterpiece. You're more than a conqueror. I want you to hear your pastor today you are a mighty warrior that's what God said to Gideon Gideon you're a mighty warrior God was switching the label Gideon was like no I'm a loser God says no you're a mighty warrior but look at my family God listen I'm talking about you Gideon but look at their gifts I'm talking about you Gideon but look at what they have no Gideon stop looking at everybody else you men of God are a mighty warrior and I'm talking to somebody right now stop looking at their gifts stop looking at their talents Stop looking at what they can do. Stop looking at where they live. Stop looking at their position. You are a mighty warrior. Switch the label from loser to winner. Number three is this. But there's a third label that's limiting people. And that's the label of not enough. The label of of not enough. And I want us to quickly visit this widow woman in 1 Kings chapter 17. And she was struggling with the label of not enough. In 1 Kings 17 and verse 10, it says this, So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. I don't have enough. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. This lady had lost her husband Income had dried up. She said, I don't have enough. She was at the end of her rope. And she, she literally just said, it's over. I got a little oil, a little meal, a few sticks. Me and my son are going to make this one, one last meal. And, and we're going to die. I, I just don't have enough. In church... 2020 has been hard. 2020 has been challenging. 2020 has been difficult. And a lot of people, God's people, they feel like I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I I can't tell you how many people I talk to. I'm exhausted. I'm I'm tired. I, I don't have enough energy. I don't have any more emotional bandwidth. I, I, I just don't have what it takes 
to make it. I don't have enough money to make it. And there are some that feel like this widow woman. It's over. I don't see a future. I don't see I'm going to make it. I I don't have enough. I don't know how I'm going to make the car payment. I I don't know how I'm going to make the rent payment. I I, I don't know how I'm going to put food on the table. I I just don't know. I I don't know if I'm going to keep my job. Are they going to end up downsizing in the company? I've been watching and looking and seeing it. I don't know if I'm going to have enough. I don't know if I'll ever be able to put away for retirement. I don't know if I'll ever retire. I don't know. I just don't have enough. I can't afford to go to college or or listen I think I'm gonna have to drop out of college I don't know how I'm gonna continue to pay my college tuition I don't have enough I don't know how I'm gonna make it with this little oil and this little flower pastor you've been preaching and teaching about dream builders and the miracle offering on December the 6th and, and pastor I have a heart for God and a heart for the church. And, but I don't have enough. I, I just can't, can't do anything. And, and I know that's what some of my church family is. And right now I want to give you two encouraging principles from this widow woman. Two principles. Here's the first one. Here's the first one. She gave first. And I know when I say that, that could get all over you. You're like, what? What? Do you understand what I'm going through? But I want you to hear this story. It so encourages me. Listen, when life is challenging, we tend to focus inward. We tend to allow selfishness. I know Herbert Cooper. When life is difficult, selfish thoughts begin to dominate my life and we start leaning on our own understanding and we start believing our principles instead of God's principles and God's principles have a tendency to go against our principles. And one of the best things that we can do when life is challenging is to be others focused. One of the best things that you can do is look to bless someone else. Look for someone else who's struggling. Look for someone else to reach out to. Look for someone else to pick up the phone and encourage them. I know you want to just think about yourself, but just text somebody else a scripture and say, I want you to know I'm praying. Oh, but you don't understand. I'm depressed. Help somebody else that's depressed. Oh, one of the best things that you can do when you're struggling is get outside of yourself and get others focused And look what Elijah tells this struggling widow. It's crazy advice, but it's God advice. 1 Kings 17, verse 13, he says, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. Go Go make your pancake. Get your syrup and your butter. But 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 first, make 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 one for me. Make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. Boy, did I just tell you? Hey, lady, 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 I, I know, I, I know, but, but, but first, get, get, give first and then make something for yourself and your son. Elijah told her to bless others, to, to help others. Why would Elijah say this? Because God always blesses 
the giver. Well, one of the best things that we can do, one of the be- I'm telling you right now, 2020 is hard and it's difficult. It's not easy. Oh, but if we can get our eyes off ourselves and say, how can I help somebody else? How can I bless somebody else? Maybe I can buy somebody else's little ba- one, one can of green bean at the grocery store. Just say, I'm getting that can for you. How can I get my eyes off myself and just help somebody else? Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 24 says it like this. One person gives freely yet gains even more. You say, Pastor, would you break that down? I can't. It's trigonometry. I don't understand it, but I do know that it works. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. It doesn't make sense. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And that's exactly what this widow lady did. She blessed Elijah. She she helped Elijah. And then God helped her. And then God blessed her. My wife and I believe this with all of our hearts. We believe this when things have been challenging and difficult when things in our marriage have been challenging and difficult, when finances have been challenging and difficult, when our emotional health has been challenging and difficult, one of the keys of getting out of that place into a better place to experience beyond in our lives has always been looking at how do we help others? How do we bless others? How do we take care of others? Even right now in 2020, can I tell you with four children, Age is 16. My oldest is getting ready to be 17 in, a, in another week or so. 17 down to 12. We're going to have kids in college, one right after the other. He's a junior and, and, and going to be a senior next year. And then we got a sophomore and a, and a freshman and an and a, and a eighth grader. And, a, and I'm going, my, no, a sixth grader, a sixth grader. He wish he was in eighth grade, praise the Lord. But I'm going, man, college. Pandemic? Give God. But God snatched me out. Herbert, 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 this is not all about you. Look to be a blessing to others. Look to help. And that's what we are as we're just praying and seeking God. And, and we've come to a number that God wants us to give over and above our time, the dream builders. But you know what? It's not about us. It's about others. When, we, when I think about the technology of grace that we're going to do, I, I'm not doing this for me. I, I'm great. I can preach like this. But I'm thinking about all the people. Most of our church family is still watching online. Most of our teenagers and kids are still being ministered to online. And we're looking at how do we help others. We're seeing people come to faith in Christ all around the world because of technology. It's about helping others. I think about the ladies at Mabel Bassett Correctional Facility. Many of you don't know this, but we have not, our dream team has not been able to get in the prison since COVID-19. But you know what we've been able to do? Every week, they're still getting the service and we're dropping it off and ladies are gathering and still hearing the gospel and still coming to faith in Christ. I thank God for the technology. It's not about us. It's about others. I think about those hundred kids in Haiti and that $42,000 that we'll write at the end of this year to give, to bless those hundred children through mission of a hope. It's not about us. It's about others. All the missionaries we support, all the homeless and the hurting and the helping that we do, all the kids that are going to get Christmas presents during this season. It's not about us. It's about others. And whenever we make it about others whatever we make happen for others God makes happen for us and so we pray 
and we seek God and say, God, how can I be a blessing to others? Here's a second thing. I want you to see this second principle from this lady, and that is this. She went to work with what she had. She went to work with what she had. First Kings 17 and verse 14 says, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. I love this. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. The Bible says she took the stick, she took the little oil, she took the meal, and she went to work with what she had. She started where she was with what she had. I love this little lady. She went in the kitchen and got that little oil, that little flour, got them sticks, got a little fire going, and she started working that one pancake. She, was, she went to work with what she had. You see, so many people don't go to work with what they have. They just say, I don't have enough. Well, I know the word of the Lord. I know what God said. No, no, no. You got to work it. Work what you have. Come on, write it in the, write it in the comments right now. Somebody just write, work it. Work it. Work. You got to work what you have. Get your spatula and go to work. For some of you going to work is not just tithing and giving, it's getting on a budget. You gotta know how much you bring in and how much you're spending. You gotta work it, you gotta cut your expenses. You gotta start paying off debt. You gotta just start working where you are. You need to see a godly financial advisor. You gotta work where you are. Listen, some of you, you gotta get to our free financial class starting in February. You gotta work the pancake right where you are. You gotta work it. And when this lady went to work with what she had, had a mindset of others and to bless others, God showed up in her situation and did exceedingly, abundantly, beyond. Little is much when God is in it. Work 